morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could join us. If you could please find your seats, we're going to begin our service this morning. Let's open with a word of prayer. Can we pray together? Gracious God, we are so thankful that we can gather together to glorify your name. Lord, may you be glorified and honored in everything that is said and done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, welcome. We're so glad to have you. If it's your first time visiting with us, we are so glad that you are here this morning. If you could fill out the, your visitor card, it's inside of uh, the, the hymnal rack there and give it to either Pastor Bob or myself as you leave this morning. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, a couple of announcements to share with you. Uh, the White Church is out today um, for your financial gifts towards the Benevolent Fund. Awana, this Wednesday is our kind of sports night. It's called Super Bowl night, um, and you're encouraged to wear your favorite sports shirt. Your favorite sports shirt. Unless it's a Patriots jersey, then you can leave it at home. You can leave it at home. Um, and the Grand Prix pit party will be held uh, this Friday at 7 p.m. Um, there's also going to be a spaghetti dinner fundraiser this Saturday. Uh, the youth, the teens are going to be hosting a spaghetti dinner meal. It's completely free. There's no cost. Um, we would ask that you come out, enjoy a, a nice evening, a nice meal, and um, there'll be a basket for donations, which will go to help offset some of the costs that the teens are responsible for on different events this year. That'll be from 5 to 6.30. You can come at any time. There's even going to be the uh, option for takeout if you'd like to just pop in, grab some spaghetti to go and uh, go home. So again, that's this Saturday. There is a sign-up sheet out in the fellowship hall just so that we are able to know about how many people would be coming. Um, Mike Snavely um, from Mission Imperative will be here February 24th and 25th. Um, it, it seems like he's going to probably bring some animals with him, um, from what I understand, uh, hopefully. So if, if that all comes together, that will be really neat. You will not want to miss that. Um, the, the different things that he is able to do. I've only heard good things about Mike, and um, there's also going to be a meal um, that evening as well. So I uh, encourage you to sign up for that. That's out there as well. If you're looking for more information, missionimperative.org. Um, can we throw up the slide for the New Testament reading real quick, if that's all right? Welcome. All right, so for those of you that are, are doing the New Testament reading, right, um, you're, you're through the majority of Matthew now. You should have completed Matthew 23 and 24. Um, but there is a blog that is going on. It's being posted on twice a week with different devotionals and ideas. Um, just so you're aware of that, www.wolchapel.com. Dot blogspot .com. Now, you can go on the church's Facebook, and there's a link there. You can go on the church's website, and there's a link there. So you don't necessarily have to write this down. Um, but I encourage you to go on and check it out. Different people from the church will be writing. Um, Pastor Bob had one this week. Jake Sprengel also posted one this week. Both, both excellent. Um, so I encourage you to do that, and, and keep reading. Keep reading. Stay in the Word. So would you stand with me as we continue to worship the Lord this morning by singing your love to
are my joy, you are my song, you are the well, the one I'm drawing from, you are my refuge, my whole life long, where else would I go? Surely my God is the strength of
Oh. 
timeless theme, earth and heaven will pass away. It's not a dream, God will make all things new that day. Gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Evil is banished into eternal hell. No more night, no more pain, no
Hallelujah. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. A couple of folks I want to bring before you this morning. Uh, continue to pray for Ada Schuffhauser, who uh, remains in the premier of Susquehanna, uh, for rehab. Uh, pray for uh, decisions that need to be made in the future. I'm sure uh, Kim and Don and family would greatly appreciate that. Also, we learned that Wayne Mace... Um, is going to be going overseas for the military for three months. Um, and so we need to pray for the Mace family, not only Wayne as he leaves, but also for Heidi and the, ch and the two girls uh, who will remain back here uh, in the state. So uh, let's pray for the Mace family. Also, some of you may know, may not know, but Katie Schultz, who would be the um, wife of Doug, who was the son of Gary and Deb. Uh, she had successful uh, surgery this past week. Uh, they removed a tumor from her brain and is doing quite well, uh, but please continue to pray for her recovery. Uh, also, Dale Warner's brother is having some serious heart issues, and uh, we need to pray for uh, Dale's brother as well. Uh, Larry Scadden's sister, um, the cancer has returned. It's now in the bone marrow. And so we need to pray for her as she is undergoing chemotherapy. Quite a number of those are not on your sheet. Uh, maybe I read those too fast, but I'm going to pray for these folks. And um, you pray along with me. So, Father, we come before you once again this morning. And, Father, we have been reminded that... Um, the things that we see today are not going to be the things of the future. Lord, these are old things. The suffering, the pain, the crying, the death. Lord, these at some point will be a thing of the past. Father, we are going to be looking this morning at the coming of your Son, who makes all things new again. And so, Father, in that light, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed to us that there will be no more pain and suffering and death. But, Father, until that day, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to you in sharing your name with those around us. Father, it remains here uh, in this life, uh, the pain and the suffering. And so, Father, we look at our sheet uh, we look at Ada, a Father, who we've known for a number of years, and now, Father, after this fall, uh, this broken hip, we thank you that they were able to repair it. We pray for rehab, that it goes extremely well, and give wisdom to Kim and Donna and family members. Father, we think of Wayne Mace as he makes this trip overseas. Father, we thank you for those in the military. We thank you for those who are willing Lord, to, uh, to make these kinds of sacrifices so that we here at home can enjoy the freedoms that we have. We pray that you would watch over Wayne, that, Father, you would protect Heidi and Chloe and Abby as they remain back home. And we pray that these three months might go quickly. Father, it's never an easy thing for a father to be separated from his family. But, Father, we pray that you might watch over them. We thank you, Father, for Katie's surgery. 
Father, we thank you that uh, the tumor was able to be removed, and we pray that as the report comes back that everything would, go, would, would be fine and uh, all things would go well. Father, we think of Dale's brother. Uh, we do pray for these heart, this heart issue, that, Father, you would work in a way to uh, bring about complete healing. We think of Larry's uh, sister as well, Sandy, who uh, there for a time was in remission, but now, Lord, the cancer has returned. We pray that the chemo would do what it needs to do, and there, wouldn't, there would be a minimal uh, of side effects. For Father, we know that um, she has been experienced some of those, and so we, we commit those things, Lord, to you. Father, you're a great God, and Father, there's much more, I suppose, we could say this morning. We thank you for prayer. Father, we thank you that we can enter into your very presence, even now, even this morning, knowing, Lord, how much you love us, how much you care for us, uh, how much, Father, you're always, you're always there for us. And for that, we appreciate. We appreciate, Lord, um, your son, Jesus, who the Bible says was, is our great high priest, who has been through all temptations such as we, yet without sin. And so, therefore, Lord, he is able to empathize with us. And so we're to come before your throne boldly and with great confidence. And so we do that this morning, asking, Lord, that you would touch these folks here on this list, and others, Lord, who we may not be aware of, who are going through some difficult things right now. Lord, be very close to them, very close to them. Encourage them, I pray, in difficult days. Father, I do pray this morning as we conclude now this series, as we've looked, Lord, at things that will take place in the end times. Father, we ask that you might help us to understand this wonderful, moving passage in Revelation 19 of the coming of Jesus Christ, who comes, Father, in power, in glory, to rule and reign forever. So remove the distractions. Father, help us to have clear minds. Help us to soak in what you want to say to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Leonard's going to come. He's going to lead us in a closing or in a hymn just before the message 175. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. I'm going to ask you to stand with us as we sing together this number, 175, and then those in junior church can, can be dismissed. 175.
That, of course, is taken from Revelation chapter 19, when one day the Bible says Jesus will come back. He will be riding a white horse, and we will follow on our horses as well. What a day that will be, a glorious day when Jesus comes back in great power and great glory. When I was in third grade, I had the chance in Millersburg to go to the circus. I don't know if they still do that today. Jeff, do they? Third grade, third grade. Every third grader would go to the circus. and This was a huge, huge deal. And there was always one super television hero that was there at the circus that year. And I got to be there to see the Lone Ranger. The real one, the masked man, high O silver, and away. Do you know that someday Jesus is coming back on a white horse? He's coming to earth someday. And unlike the rapture, which was a bit quiet and private, the church is taken home to be with Jesus this coming is the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus comes back as the warrior, as the Messiah, as the King, to judge the nations. There he is. That's not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is going to come back to judge the nations once and for all. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, and look with me at verse 1. And you'll see as I read these opening eight verses where the hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah has come. It says this, After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her idolatries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. And then I heard what sounded like, the, like a great multitude, like the roar of a rushing water, and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. This is the preparation for. This is the announcement of the coming of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I have nothing against the Mormon tabernacle choir who just sang that song. But this choir in heaven is nothing like anything on earth we have ever seen. And John describes this choir as the roar of a great multitude shouting, the roar of rushing water and loud peals of thunder. The word hallelujah, praise the Lord, is used four times right here and only here in all of the book of Revelation. So the question then is, why such ecstatic celebration? Why the praise and the hallelujahs? What is taking place that would cause this choir to just burst out? It speaks of a prostitute. Back in chapter 17 and verse 6, we read of this woman. It says, I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. This woman is symbolic of a one-world false religious system that was causing much of the bloodshed during the tribulation period. Much of the bloodshed and the death of the saints was due to the fact of this false religion that was corrupt. And God now is about to set things straight. At this point, the old things are passing away. And a new order is about to take hold. That war that caused so much death, that awful persecution of the saints through the tribulation period, all of that bloodshed is about to be over. We read elsewhere in the book of Revelation during the description of the tribulation that a third in one place of the population is killed. And in another place it speaks of a quarter of the population is destroyed. And now all of that is coming to an end. Tim LaHaye in a book entitled Revelation Unveiled, this is what he says regarding this text, these opening verses. In a virtual sense, the rejoicing in heaven in chapter 19 results from the final triumph of good over evil, of Christ over Antichrist, God over Satan, and the Holy Spirit over the spirit of evil. Ever since the fall of Adam, the angelic creatures around the throne of God, they've anticipated that ultimate day when the cup of human iniquity would be filled with abominations and God would finally, God would finally judge the human race. That's why the hallelujahs, that's why I praise the Lord, because finally God is going to make all wrongs right. And then we read also of the wedding of the Lamb, another reason for this great celebration there in verse 7. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Let me keep reading down through this text. Look at verse 9. And then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. 
And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship. And he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. The second point this morning is the wedding of the Lamb. Where are we as the church during the tribulation period? Where does the bride of Christ, the body of Jesus, where are we during this horrible, horrible time that takes place here on earth? Well, if you recall, a couple weeks ago, we spoke of the rapture. And we said that we're caught up to be with the Lord in the air. So we're not here on earth. Some will be left. But if you know Christ as Savior, you're taken. And so, we are in heaven with Jesus during these seven years of tribulation here on earth. Well, what are we doing? Well, we know one thing we're doing. The Bible says that we someday, as Christians, we will stand before Jesus as judge, and we will give an account that there is called what, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 5 and verse 10, we read these words. For we, Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Yes, you as a Christian, although saved and you will be saved forever, you're not giving a, an account of whether or not you're saved. or You're giving an account of what you've done in this life for Christ. Yes, as a Christian, we give an account. We someday will stand before Jesus. And so, during this tribulation period, while we're in heaven, that's what we're doing. We're giving an account, whether good or bad, of what we've done in this life. Now, notice what it says in verse 8. It says in verse 7, it speaks of the wedding of the Lamb, and then his bride, there at the end of verse 7, has made herself ready. Then in verse 8, fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Now, the her is the bride. We're the bride of Christ. We're, we're given fine and bright linen. After we come out of the judgment, we're given, if you will, a wedding garment, a wedding gown to wear. And we're presented to Christ as his bride. Now let me share with you what uh, John Walford, a great man at Dallas Theological Seminary in his commentary on Revelation, how he uh, works this out. He says, when we become Christians, right, if you trusted Christ, you became the body and the bride of Christ. That's when the, 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 the wedding contract was consummated. You know, we uh, often think of Joseph being betrothed or pledged to be married to Mary. 
that betrothal period was a binding event, much more binding than our engagement today. Well, when we became Christians, we were bound to Christ, and that relationship is forever. And he speaks of it as that betrothal period. But then we're taken up to be with Jesus in the air. And we go through the process of the judgment seat. And at the end of that, we are given, according to this verse, and it almost appears as though uh, this wedding garment is some uh, form of reward for our good works. The Bible says we'll receive rewards. And so we now have our wedding gowns. We're wearing those, bright and clean, made of linen. And then the wedding. We are presented to Christ as his bride. And then what follows is the supper, as we often have after the wedding, a reception period. And then we have John in verse 10. After this whole announcement of the coming of Jesus, the angel is talking to John. <laughs> John looks at the angel and falls down at his feet. And the angel looks at John and says, Don't worship me. It's not about me. But worship God. You know, in Exodus chapter 20, the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. It reminds me of uh, John the Baptist. Uh, you know, he doesn't take selfies, but angels don't take selfies either. They're always directing people to God. It's not about us, it's about God. Worship God. And then we read at the very end of verse 10, for it is the Spirit a prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. The angel is speaking to John and says, John, the essence, the heart of prophecy is all about Jesus. Don't look at me, John. Look at what is about to take place. Jesus is about to come. Look at verse 11. John says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh has this name written, K 
King of kings and Lord of lords. We come now to the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 24 last week, as we looked at the description of that horrible tribulation period, I read a verse in verse 27 that describes just briefly the coming of Jesus. And it said, as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. This is not a quiet event. This is visible, it is noisy, and it is public. Now, John, it says in verse 11, he, he, he sees heaven open. He sees heaven open. Where is John? Have you ever asked that question? Where is John at this point? The Bible says back in chapter 1, he's on, on the island of Patmos. Well, what is John doing? This is the apostle John. What is John doing on the island of Patmos? He's a prisoner. Patmos is an island for prisoners, like Alcatraz, surrounded by water. And John, for his faith, for the word of God, he is now on this island. And back in chapter 4 and verse 1, John says, I was caught up in the spirit. It might be a vision, um, but I like what uh, Dr. Uh, Jeremiah says about this phrase, in the spirit. Uh, he says that he was transformed into another dimension. You know, I shared my theory, oftentimes, of where heaven is. I believe, I really do, that heaven is in another dimension. It's not someplace way out there, but it's in that fourth dimension that we can't see into. We have different places in the Bible where, for example, Elisha, when he's in the city called Dothan, remember the armies come to take him and his servant, and Elisha says to his servant who is scared to death, he says, no worries. There are more of us than there are of them. And the servant must be looking at Elisha like, this old guy is out of his mind. And then Elisha says, God, just open his eyes. Let him see what's out there. Let him look into the spiritual world, into this other dimension. And the servant's eyes are open, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he sees the armies of heaven all around him. John is, is allowed to look into this other dimension, and he sees heaven open, and he sees a white horse, and he sees Jesus who is mounted on it. Jesus isn't on a donkey. He's not coming in humility. Jesus is not coming lowly. Back in the book of Matthew, you remember the passage when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem? And it says this, Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a... This is not a gentle scene in Revelation chapter 19, by no means. Christ is returning as Messiah, 
as king, as warrior. I just read words like, he makes war, armies of heaven, a sharp sword, he strikes down, he rules with an iron scepter. It's the wrath of God. This is anything but a gentle scene. One commentator said this, all human history has been building up to this one dramatic event. The king of all the universe comes back to claim his creation. The context, although the name Jesus is not mentioned right here, he's said to be faithful and true, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. It can be no one but Jesus himself. It speaks of the supreme authority and the sovereignty of Christ himself. And then we read in verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him. Many believe these are angelic beings. Probably they are included. But did you notice what they're wearing? Sounded very familiar to a passage we just read over in the earlier verses. These armies of heaven, they're riding white horses and they're dressed in fine linen, white and clean. You see, I believe that maybe, maybe they are angelic beings, but I think we're with them. I really believe that the bride of Christ, we now, we're still wearing our wedding gowns and we're coming and we're following Christ as he comes to wage war on earth. But I don't read in the Bible where, you know, we as the church, that we're going to be fighting a war in the future. It doesn't speak of that anywhere in the Bible. I don't see where, you know, there's going to be this great battle and we're going to draw our swords. And Theodore Epp, another one of the commentators that I've enjoyed all through the years, you know, commentators, commentaries, they never get old. Do it, well, they do get old. I mean, the bindings fray and they get, pages get torn, but the material itself, it never grows old. He says the equipment for this last great battle, and by the way, we're talking here about the Battle of Armageddon. You've heard that name already. Well, right here it is. When Jesus comes back and wages war on the earth, Listen to what Theodore Epps says. He says, the equipment for this last great battle is strange indeed. The heavenly armies do not fight. That's us. We do not fight. The Lord alone is equipped to battle. Only the general himself, that's Jesus, is going to fight. And he has no carnal or material weapons. He only has the sword of his mouth. Now, I've often said I'm a literalist, but, you know, there is symbolism in the Bible. And Revelation is full of it. Here is Jesus coming with a sword in his mouth. What does that mean? This final great battle will be a one-sided battle. All the armies of the earth, at the end of the tribulation period, all these armies of the earth, they will be gathered together and will fight against the Lord. 
The armies of the Lord will not fight. I really didn't care to fight one of these battles, but we don't. We will not fight. We will be looking on. We will be the observers. We will be the witnesses of all of this. Now listen. By the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his word alone, the armies will be destroyed who defy him in this last great battle. By his word alone. That's why it speaks of him being the word of God in this text. It's a sword that's in his mouth. You know, I was reading through the scripture. I was obeying Tony's command, and you need to do, do it as well. We need to read through the New Testament. And I was reading through the early verse chapters there of Matthew, of Matthew 8 and 9. And when I came to the end of those miracles of Jesus, I, I thought, how does he do that? <laughs> I mean, how can Jesus just say to someone, be healed, and, you know, they're just healed? And so, for example, in, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3, he's approached by a leper, right? His body is all uh, destroyed by this leprosy, this, this disease. And Jesus heals him. You know how? Jesus said to him, be clean. In 8, 8, Matthew 8, 8, the centurion comes to Jesus. And the centurion has a servant who is ill. And he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, you know, you and I, we're, we're so much alike. Because I am a man of authority. And I could tell this man to do this and he will do it. I could tell that guy over there to do this and he will do it. Jesus, I have a servant who is ill. Just say a word. The centurion says to Jesus, if you just say a word... <laughs> My servant will be healed. And then later in that same chapter, in verse 32, there are two men who are demon-possessed. And they begin to speak to Jesus. Probably the demons in them are speaking, saying, you are the Son of God, and if you're going to do something to us and cast us out, please cast us into those swine, into the pigs. And what does Jesus do? He says, go. <laughs> and they went. You know, they left the men and they went into the pigs. And then over in chapter 9 and verse 6, here comes the, a paralytic. Well, he's not coming on his own. He's being carried by his buddies. He's laying on a mat. He can't walk. And they lay this paralytic in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Get up. Take your mat. Go home. And he did it. <laughs> By the word of his mouth, Jesus is able to do the miraculous. All he has to do is say it, and it's done. And it appears here, Jesus being called the word of God, the sword that is sharp coming out of his mouth, it appears as though all Jesus has to do is talk. By the word of his mouth, the armies will be destroyed. Jesus will defeat. He will strike down the nations. The great enemies of God 
once and for all. And if we keep reading in verse 19, listen. It says, then I saw, this is John, this is what he sees. He sees the beast, the kings of the earth, their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with a sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds, they gorged themselves on their flesh. Jesus had great victory. Old things are passed away, and a whole new world is about to begin. Years ago, Billy Graham was on the Johnny Carson show, and they were talking back and forth about spiritual things, of course, and at one point, Johnny Carson said this. He said, you know what? I bet if Jesus ever came back to earth, we'd do him in again. And Billy Graham, he sat up in his seat. He pulled himself forward, and this is what he said. He said, in the Bible, we do read that Jesus promised to come back again. The first time he came in love, the next time he's going to come in power. And no one is going to do him in again. No one is going to do him in. Would you stand with me? I want for us to read a portion of the announcement uh, that was given, and then we're going to sing a closing hymn, and we'll be, we'll be dismissed. Let's read these words together. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. And then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Would you take your hymn books and turn with me to hymn number 185. 185, lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain, thousands Thousands of saints attending swell the triumph of his train. Alleluia, alleluia. God appears on earth to reign.
that had not and sold him, pierced and nailed to the tree. Deeply wailing, deep <coughs> shall the true Messiah see. Now redemption long expected, see in solemn pomp the peer. Now shall meet him in the air. Alleluia, alleluia. The day of God appear. Yea, amen. Let adore thee high on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the Father, we are thankful that you have revealed to us some of the things that will take place in our future. Lord, it all speaks of great victory for the Christian. It all speaks, Lord, of glory and power and reigning and ruling. Father, we thank you that you have reveal these things to us, that encourage us, that give us great hope to know, Lord, that this is what we will be doing, that this is, Lord, for us as your children. Again, my prayer is, Lord, if there is one here that is not assured of their future, that, Father, you might speak to them this day. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.